Hello and welcome to Journey to the Friary. This is Rachel Ledgerd and Bria McNamara. And we are students, super seniors actually, mm-hmm. at Franciscan University in Steubenville. If you're listening to this, you've probably heard of it. But here on the podcast, we want to discuss vocation. Um, very broadly speaking, this is how God calls you to serve him in the world. And as Catholics, I assume we all want to know what the Lord's asking of us and of our lives, but we don't always know how to find it, how to pray about it, how to listen, how to discern. Um, I don't think that there's one right way and that everyone finds their vocation through one manner of prayer or discernment. That being said, I do think we could all benefit from some inspiration, some practical tips from friars who received and accepted their vocation as religious. And that's kind of why I'm making this podcast. So ultimately, I think hearing... The diversity in everyone's journeys will feed us, the church, the body of Christ, and remind us that it doesn't matter how old we are, it doesn't matter where we went to school, how long we've been astray, uh, the Lord has a plan for your life, and ultimately, that will lead you back to Him. Mm-hmm. So, with us today, we have Father Rufino. Oh. <laughs> welcome, welcome. So, we just want to know a little bit about you. Obviously, you're a friar here at the university. We just want to know a little bit about you, where you're from. Um, when did you get to campus, and, and how did you get yeah, here? So, um, yeah, so, again, my name is Father Rufino. All right, so I'm originally from Mexico. Uh, I came to the States when I was a kid, um, which is, you know, I was really young, so that's why you don't hear an accent. Everybody always asks me. Um, but I came to San Diego, and then I actually uh, – so, I mean, this is my second time around coming to campus, I guess, because I was here as a student – so first I found the university through the uh, conferences. So uh, that was my initial, my initial thing. And my youth minister was, a, uh, was an alum, which is like the classic story, especially yes. somebody coming all the way from California. Yes. Um, but yeah, my youth minister was, was an alum. And then I had a bunch, there were a bunch of us here, um, including two of your teachers from uh, Fremier High School. So, yes, shout yeah. out Jay Sarah Catholic High School. <laughs> and then, uh, and then after, so I actually um, ended up joining right after the right after like graduation. But this is, I guess, like I said, my second time around. So I am here. This is my uh, second assignment as a friar. Um, yeah, just feel led to felt led to like be at university like doing university ministry again. So here I am. That's awesome. Yeah. We're so happy to have you. Where was your first placement? I went to a parish in Northern Virginia. I okay. was doing like, yeah, just parish ministry. Uh, since like Spanish was my first language, the community basically just said, hey, uh, we could really use your help with this Hispanic community in Northern Virginia at our parish. Um, we know you just got ordained, but you're in charge of them now. So have fun. That was intense. (laughs) It was good. It was good, but it was, uh, yeah. So I, um, I was doing that for a year and then a a priest that was here, a friar that was here, um, felt led to go to university or from university ministry to parish ministry. And so now, and he spoke Spanish as well, father Matt. Um, and Mm -hmm. so we literally just traded places and then I came here. So that's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. How long have you been a friar? I've been a friar since um, since I graduated from here in 2013. So it's been nine years. So you went right into what is that first form formation? So called? yeah, so I went into postulancy, like postulancy, yeah, or initial formation is you know what other people like, but okay. yeah, postulancy is the actual stage. Initial formation is more like the general, okay, general stage of it. Yeah. So mm. 
yeah, right into postulancy. Wow. And how did you know that right after school, that's what you wanted to start? When did you know that was your calling? So I first started discerning when I was in high school and it was partially because, um, I mean, to be honest, it was like, it was something that my youth minister first told me to check out and something that he, he saw something in me, um, for me to think about it. And I was kind of like going to do it. I thought about doing it. My family actually told me no. Um, yeah, my family actually told me no initially. And then, um, I was just like, you're right. Okay. Maybe that's not, uh, and, uh, then when I was here, it kind of kept on coming up in prayer. And all of a sudden my, uh, senior year, um, you know, senior spring, it had come up again. And I was talking to somebody about it. It was kind of like a mentor for me. Um, and he just said, look, you've been praying about it for long enough. Like you've been thinking about this for long enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, I think it's time that you kind of like at least go on and come and see at least like do something more formal to check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I did, um, it kind of became very clear. I mean, for me, I literally I wanted I wanted to come and see in April and then got my application like that, like next day after my come and see. And called my parents. I was like, hey, so called my parents like that week. And I'm like, hey, so you know how you said no last time? Uh, So this is still here. Uh, My mom actually said it was hilarious. She said, you know what? I knew that this was coming. Mm. I was like, Frank, I I wish you would have told me that. (laughs) That would have been a lot easier. Five years ago, ago, but whatever. Um, No, uh, but honestly, I feel like I kind of needed the life experience. Um, Yes. Yeah. So that helped me a lot. Uh, Yeah. So I entered right away. And would you recommend, like, the people who feel like they're so close and they've received mm-hmm. it in prayer enough times that they want to make some sort of action? That's the mm-hmm. what we're called to, to act on some of that. Um, would you recommend to come and see? I honestly, I think what I recommend is taking whatever the next step is. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes, like, um, because I think for some people, like, it's been private for a long time. Um like whatever, you know, whatever it is that may be discerning, like it's been private for a long time. And so what I recommend is first, like talk to somebody about it. So talk to like, you know, if it's priesthood, talk to a priest about it. But if you're close to a sister and like a sister has been a big part of like your, you know, if you've known a sister fairly well, like talk to a sister about it. They maybe haven't discerned the priesthood, but like they've discerned religious life. Mm-hmm. So that's like what I would say is like first, make sure you have a conversation with somebody about it. And if, like, there's still peace after that and the other person is kind of saying, like, you know, especially if it hasn't gone away. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest thing is, like, if it's something that's just popped up, like, if somebody comes up to me and talks to me, it's like, oh, yeah, this just came up, like, last week. I was like, all right, let's, like, this is good, but let's, like, keep on praying with it and, like, let's, you know. And that's what I would encourage, like, let's just get, like, a steady prayer life if you don't have that. Um, Getting to Mass on a more regular basis if you don't have that. And, like, if someone is maybe a little bit further, I might say, like, all right, it might be good to do some spiritual direction, like, you know, to have a spiritual director on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so what my my biggest thing is, like, it's not even necessarily straight to a come and see. It's like, all right, what's the next step for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned the word peace, and I know when people talk about vocation, that's mm-hmm. something that, comes up a lot like Mm -hmm. does it bring you peace Mm -hmm. what did that look and feel like for you that feeling of yes i think so i guess let's put it this way like 
I had been discerning since I was 16, right? Like on and off to a certain degree. So for me, every single time that like, every single time that, or not every single time, but it had happened like until really like, let's say I went on to come and see in April until like November of the year before. Most of the time when discernment had come up, there had been like an unrest, you know, some sort of unrest within me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, um, all of a sudden now there was still a little bit of unrest, but there was curiosity. Mm. And then like, as I kind of started to ask more questions, because I think the first time it was just like, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Let's do it. And like, didn't really take time to ask questions. It was just kind of like, you know, I, yeah, I didn't really, yeah, exactly. So, um, but that next time I kind of started asking more questions. And so along with that, like when I went on my come and see, um, I remember there was a guy who ended up entering with me, who was no longer in the community, but ended up, ended up entering with me who, I didn't, who I knew here as a student who just basically said to me like, hey, how's this going for you? I says, I feel it's, it's going pretty good, um, but I feel like I should visit other communities. And now this isn't recommended for everybody. This is just the way that my story went down. Um, he just kind of said to me, why? Um, he's like, well, how have you felt about it? I said, honestly, like I'm feeling pretty good about it. I feel like just, um, and I think what I was realizing, it wasn't, you know, more than anything, I think it was just a recognition of that, like, there was still maybe a little bit of unrest, mm-hmm. but like in comparison, you know, it became more real. And that's why I tell people to take the next step mm-hmm. because sometimes the next step brings clarity. Mm-hmm. And so some of that unrest before came a lot from this perspective of like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so once I actually like started taking steps and once I saw like, okay, well, if I were to do this, I would be in this house. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be staying in this house, you know, and the guys that are here, like, you know, on the formation side of things, those are guys that like, you know, would be kind of like my older brothers and they were good guys, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and the like formation directors that were there, they seem to be just really like, you know, just peaceful men. Father Jonathan St. Andre was one of the guys that was there. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Wow. Um, and then one of the brothers uh, was my postulant director, who was just like one of the most like one of the holiest men I, I know. Um, and so in a sense for me, the peace more than anything, it was like just where before there had been a lot of unrest. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of like, you know, I just felt calm and mm-hmm. I could feel at, and I could see myself feeling at home there. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I came back from the weekend and I got an application and like, I don't, uh, I'm the kind of person that like, I don't tend to overthink things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if something seems like it's right, um, the way that I see it, it's like, okay, well, let's just, let's pursue this, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And well, nine years later, here we are. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So glad you pursued it. <laughs> That's yeah. wonderful. Wow. That's wonderful. But I guess what I'll say, I mean, one thing that kind of followed up from that, though, like, once that's there, and once you've maybe taken the next step, like, um, I think we tell guys when they're coming in, like, okay, you're discerning the next step, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, in my discernment, once I'd, like, had those conversations, once I'd gone on the come and see, you know, in a sense, like, 
It's like, okay, well, is this a time that I could do this? And for me, I, the way that I saw it was like, I'm already going to be in a natural state of transition right now, you know? Um, and so if I'm already going to be in a natural state of transition, like, I guess, you know, why not now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where I think for some people, sometimes it can kind of be like, well, but there's all these other things, you know, and that's why it can be good to have a spiritual director, at least like for me, I didn't have a spiritual director per se, but I did have somebody who was very much a mentor for me. Mm-hmm. And like in talking to him, you know, um, he could kind of help to like in having somebody who outside of yourself that you can actually talk about things with that's maybe not necessarily like, you know, the vocations director mm-hmm. um, and no offense to vocations directors or anything, you know, um, I'm an assistant vocations director. And, <laughs> and I would tell you, like, if if you're discerning, you know, if you're discerning something like um, it can be hard for that person maybe to be impartial. And, you know, so so maybe like that person might not be the best person to be like going and talking to. Um, but. Uh, but I think like having somebody that can kind of maybe either answer questions or sometimes honestly pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as far as discernment goes, is that something that you should just maybe be discussing with one or two people that you're mm-hmm. fairly close to? Or is it like something that like, okay, call your family about call, you know, for some guidance? Yeah. What is your perspective on that? Yeah. Um, I think that, you should talk about it with somebody who knows you well. Um, mm-hmm. And so it shouldn't necessarily, like it should be, you know, um, or that you know that you can like feel comfortable with. Because that's the thing also with like spiritual direction. Like I tell people, and, I, and I'll say this to people, like, hey, this is our first meeting. If you feel comfortable with me, like, you know, and if you feel like this is something that, you know, uh, that I could help you, great. If not, I understand, you know, because I need, like, you need somebody that is going to, um, that is going to understand you. Um, and so that's the biggest thing. Like, with discernment, I would say, like, have, com- I I wouldn't necessarily, like, you know, uh, run and tell, you know, everybody. Uh, I, I would, I would probably encourage somebody to, like, limit it a little bit um, to people that know you. And people who are also willing to tell you no, mm-hmm. um, because I think that you need. Um, I mean, as there was a there was a um, like this counselor, you know, who who just puts it this way, like, who are your truth sayers? Mm-hmm. You know, who are the people who are going to tell you, like, hey, this is really good for you, or hey, I think it. Like, I see how excited you are, but like, yeah. maybe this isn't the best time. Um, so somebody that like is going to really, because they know you, um, going to say like, yes, I definitely see this or maybe we need to slow down a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like regardless, it's important to have like at least one outside perspective Mm -hmm. or else Mm -hmm. you can easily just get, you know, Mm -hmm. caught in your own head or, Mm -hmm. yeah. You could apply that into discernment of any vocation. Mm -hmm. You could say Mm -hmm. that about the priesthood and you could say that about just any relationship. dating relationship. Yeah. I'm in a yeah. long-term dating relationship right now, and yeah. I would not tell the world <laughs> about the state of my heart. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't tell them <laughs> what I've discerned and what I've healed from and what mm-hmm. I'm going toward, mm-hmm. what my goals are. Yeah. Um, because they're really precious. Like, your vocation is is God telling your heart mm-hmm. what he wants from your heart and what he wants from your life. 
Mm. So really precious things. But that's really good to speak with someone who knows you and doesn't just know the vocation that you're interested mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, of course, it's their job to care for you, but it, it, it would be difficult to be sort of impartial. Mm-hmm. So it's like talking to your mom yeah. about a relationship. She's going to be like, get married, get yeah. married, yeah. get married. I'll plan everything. Yeah. <laughs> I need some time. Yeah, so even like my family telling me no at the time, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, that wasn't, I mean, and maybe for them it was like a no, flat out no, but like, I think in a, in a way it was also kind of the Lord saying like, okay, look, right now it's just not the time for you just yeah. yet. Yeah. And my family like knew me well. And now part of that though was them also needing to come to terms with the fact that this is something that could happen, Yes, you know? Uh, yes. Because even when I did bring it up to them, like when I was actually going to pursue it, my mom knew it was coming, but like even it took her, I want to say like, it probably took her about four years of me really being in it until she was able to fully accept it, mm. you know? So, yeah, so I think them saying no to me at the time, though, was something that I kind of needed to hear, yeah. partially just because I think that the Lord wanted to do something else. Like, mm-hmm. if I, if I would have said yes at that point, or if they would have said yes at that point, I would have gone straight into, like, a minor seminary. And there's, I mean, nothing against minor seminaries. I just don't think that that would have been good for me. Yeah. And yeah. I think that the experiences that I got to have here you know, um, as a student were super, super helpful and just, yeah. And just in getting to know people, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, it's not like I was super sheltered, like, um, (laughs) um, and even it's Franciscan. So like, yeah, even on that, on that level, but like, (laughs) but, but at the same time, like, you know, um, I got to like mature in my faith and, and like really, you know, it kind of came back on its own in a lot of ways. It wasn't off of like any sort of pressure yeah. from people. This was very much like, no, like I started to get a hunger for the sacrament of reconciliation and ministering out of that. And part of that also had to do with just like what I was doing at the time. I was, you know, I was coordinator for my household. So like, you know, leader and in that leadership position and in walking with people and walking with the guys and talking to them and like helping them through situations like, I started to recognize like the way that the Lord used me in that. Mm. And so off of that, it, it really, I think in a sub kind of in a subconscious way, like the Lord is also just saying like, Hey, this is like, like see what your gifts are here mm-hmm. and see how I could use this. And the initial manifestation was really through like those desires of like the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, but, but either way, so kind of backtracking a sense of the, like the truth sayers thing, like, it just, um, like, sometimes, I mean, the pastor that I worked with in Northern Virginia, like, he just said, no, no is an answer, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, no is an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, people who are going to, like, know you well um, and who aren't just going to tell you to, like, yes, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think it's That's good to great. have those people. Mm-hmm. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty. So mm-hmm. what would you say now was the biggest thing that you learned um, from not entering minor seminary and from coming to Franciscan, and that journey, like how was your, how did your relationship with God um, develop through that time at Franciscan, mm-hmm. and then through postulancy and novitiate now? Yeah, um, knowledge of self, I think, is kind of the biggest thing, um, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I mean, I say this sometimes, but like, and this is, and a lot of this came in community too, but like, um, but I think the experiences kind of helped to, to kind of be a, a little bit of uh, starting to give me like telltale signs. So 
Um, knowledge of self and knowledge of my gifts. Mm. Um, and like, not in a prideful way, yeah. but just say, and like knowing like, these are the things that, these are the things that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, I say this kind of jokingly, but it's also kind of not, like if you would have told me, I've always been a musician, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always like, since I was, you know, I mean, at least like early, like in middle school, I would always sing. I didn't really start performing until later, but like, um, but, you know, I started singing for like the the mass and like for a weekly praise and worship when I was like 14, 15. And like every single time that somebody would ask me, well, what are you good at? Like for me, my the only thing that I saw within myself was like, well, I'm a musician, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense mm-hmm. that was kind of like my identity. But that was like the way that I saw is like, those are my gifts. I can like, you know, I can evangelize through music or I can like be present through music and that's what I have to bring and like in my experiences in leadership and like you know I tell people about one time I went on a mission trip like I was very very last minute addition um, and basically part of the mission trip was like running retreats and like my retreat team literally I showed up and they had nothing and I showed up the day before and like basically planned the whole retreat for them, oh. gave a talk, emceed the whole thing, like ran the games, like did all that stuff. Save the day. <laughs> but the thing wow. is like, and I don't, I don't like, as I kind of, as I kind of prayed with different experiences throughout my time in formation, I started to recognize like where my gifts were, yes. you know? And so, um, so I think the added experiences, what they did was it helped to like strengthen certain things mm. um, within myself so that I knew more who I was. Um, and I also was able to have some like dating relationships, which was helpful mm-hmm. uh, for me. Um, and I mean, it wasn't like super long-term dating relationships, but even like just to be, you know, just to be in that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so, um, yeah. So I think just from a hindsight perspective, like I'd say, just the experiences and the knowledge of self um, that were just huge, yeah. absolutely huge. It can often be misconstrued that knowledge of self um, and knowledge of our gifts is more vain than not. And I think mm-hmm. that that's actually a truer definition of humility, mm-hmm. to recognize yourself, your poverty, even your littleness, and that everything that you have has actually just been a gift. Mm-hmm. It's been given to you, and you are so weak. And so it's like you and the Lord were figuring out what you were going to do together mm-hmm. um, through the gifts that he's given you. So really what he was going to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But sort of what you would agree to yeah. do. I mean, what, like, mm-hmm. that's a big thing in, in Totus Tuus Maria, which is the household Bria and I are in. Just recognizing that we don't have much that we could give of ourselves except for yes. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord allows those gifts to flourish and to mm-hmm. serve other people, to serve his community and to serve mm-hmm. the people that he loves. And that's, like, the beauty of vocation. But also even certain skills and certain formation that I got here. Mm-hmm. Um, and in being around other people who were a good example in the faith, who, like, see, here's the thing. I think also, you know, my examples of the faith were also, you know, were good people, but good people who, like, they went to youth group. And, like, I mean, you know, I was going to youth group, but also, like, went from when I was a freshman in high school, also still going to parties on the weekends and like Mm -hmm. just getting into all that, you know? Um, And like, but having a, like an unhealthy, an unhealthy like approach to that stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, I was doing things that like with, with people who, you know, kind of didn't really care for me or care, you know, in that side. But I came to school and like, you know, I found people who, 
I could still enjoy myself with, mm-hmm. but in like kind of a like still still in a good way. And so in a sense, like it it helped to give me some experience of like this is what this is what good, you know, like wholesome. Yes. Yeah, good like, you know, even taking part in alcohol and mm-hmm. like this is like a good way that that can still yeah. happen, yes, you know, with yes. limits, um, and, with limits yeah. exactly. Like this is what a good, you know, yes. a good brotherly relationship can be. Yes. This is what a good and like healthy like relationship with like, you know, like non-romantic relationship with a woman can be, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so in those ways as well. Um, but I think like it's in a lot of development of self mm-hmm. and like, and, and just, and I think even, like, from that gifts perspective that you're talking about, you know, um, in recognizing, like, some of the formation and stuff, like, that's stuff that I use now. I tell people, like, there's a ministry here sent that, like, I encourage people to do because I give talks now, you know, and, like, outside of my preaching, that, like, some of the things that I do now are rooted from, like, formation that I got here. And, you know, for me to, like, you know, I got to do a conference this summer, like a student girl conference, which was amazing. But, like, for me to, like, you know, uh, some of the different things that I got to develop and some of the different things that I got to learn about myself, like, for me to say that, like, you know, um, that getting to do do those things is, like, in vain. It's like, well, okay, well, do I need to check my – do I need in certain ways, like, check my, like, intentions and all that for Mm -hmm. sure? But at the same time, like – if the Lord has given me a gift for connecting with people, then how can I use that for his glory mm-hmm. in a way that is still always, always striving for humility um, and always knowing where that comes from. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know with, with every vocation, you're saying yes to something, mm-hmm. which also means saying no to other mm-hmm. things, you know, that you could commit your life to. Um were there ever points like that those kind of thoughts crossed your mind? Like, okay, like I'm becoming a priest. I'm mm-hmm. never like getting married. I'm never going to, you know, mm-hmm. like how, how did you handle those kind of? Yeah. Um, so that's something that I think everybody, we can have it like initial expectations or initial like thoughts about it. But I think in a lot of different ways, um, you know, praise God, our, the, our community, you know, uh, we really try to incorporate some like things of like, good integration mm-hmm. um you know of yeah good integration of of life uh and and like just sexuality stuff as well that like i think is just really kind of important um because if you're just repressing everything that's just never it's it's never going to be good and you have to Absolutely. have a good approach to it mm-hmm. so um and so it's a sacrifice it is a sacrifice um and it's something that in a sense, like I remember somebody was talking about one time, like it's something you have to grieve, you know, it's something you really have to grieve and like be okay with that and be okay with calling it grief, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's, it's a huge part of your life. Like, I mean, in the theology of the body, or I was having a conversation with, uh, with one of the other households uh, a couple nights ago with uh, crowns, uh, yeah, crown of creation. And like there was uh, sister Joan Paul was also there. One of the TOR sisters and, um, she was talking about how, like the, um, like the vocation of marriage is like the norm, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah. in a way, like yeah, you kind of have to really like come to terms with that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's something that happened throughout my religious life, mm-hmm. um, and through recognizing that, like yeah, this is something that's going to stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like 
even in just um, my, I mean, something that I say sometimes is like, if I'm going to be called father, I want that to mean something. Mm. And so in really kind of stepping into like those paternal relationships, or if I'm going to be a friar, friar comes from the fratello, which is like brother. Um, like I really want to be a brother, you know, yeah. uh, and be a good brother. And so, um, and be a good father. So like, I think in just recognizing the difference in between like mm -hmm. biological children, the relationship that you have there and like a spiritual fatherhood mm -hmm. and recognizing the difference and recognizing that like, it's always going to be different, but at yeah. the same time, there's so much goodness within that and it's there's so, so much opportunity yeah. within that. So, so it's not just about the sacrifice, but it's mm -hmm. also about like, um, just recognizing the opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. Such a grace that in every vocation, there is still a call to community. Mm -hmm. Like, even as, like, a consecrated layperson. Like, mm -hmm. they don't ask you to, like, shut yourself away. Mm -hmm. Like, they, I mean, live in community. Live in Opus Dei. Live mm -hmm. by other families. Like, involve yourself in the parish that, like, you can feel like a spiritual sister, feel like a spiritual mother, mm -hmm. feel like a spiritual yeah. brother. In a lot of ways, like, there is there is always a call to service. Mm -hmm. It's just who that service is to. And as, like, as a mother, as a father, a lot of the times that call to service is going to be to your family, yeah. you know. Um, and, yeah, as a consecrated, like, layperson, uh, yeah, there's, there's, like, different elements. There's, there's always a call to service within every mm -hmm. single vocation. Um, but sometimes people don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I mean, I can tell you that my friends who are parents, like, um, and there's something that's really, really beautiful, even like the first time that I've seen some of my friends like get to be parents is honestly one of the most beautiful things I've it's got to so witness. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yes. Because you just get to see them like step into this role of caring and like they know the needs of their children, mm -hmm. you know? Um, just like selfless love, too. Mm -hmm. You don't think about yourself anymore once yes. you're oh, And it's beautiful yeah. how, like, it's instant. Yeah. You see it, and it's, it's so, so innate. Uh -huh. It's so natural. It, it, it's so instant. Immediately, they are just concerned with, mm -hmm. with serving another. And there's difficulty that comes with it, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah. like, there's a lot of difficulty. It's not like, you know, being, being a mom uh, or being a dad, that's not, it's not easy yeah. <laughs> by any means. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, but at the same time, I, I mean, there is a grace that comes with it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you said you've, you've been discerning for, or you had been discerning for a while. Mm -hmm. You sort of knew that that was what your life could look like. Mm -hmm. um, but what about it has really surprised you? Um, that's a good question. I ask this to my newly married friends as well. Okay. <laughs> what did you not know before that has surprised you? This is going to sound really funny, but okay. um, no, um, I think I didn't know my goodness, oh. you know, which is that, that sounds kind of weird. But like, I think in a lot of ways, um, it brings out your gifts. Mm -hmm. And so if it's something that you're called to, like, it really brings out like what is, you know, what is good within you, but also what you need to work on. Mm -hmm. And so I think in a lot of different ways, um, we can get really in our heads, mm -hmm. you know, sure. about different things. And so, um, but if you are where the Lord, like, needs you to be, um, you can kind of see where. Now, gifts for me, that's like, that's something that is just extremely, extremely important. And not just like my own. I mean, that's like what I, what I, one thing that I love the most that I get to do 
as a friar at a university, but just in general in working with people mm-hmm. is helping them to see their like yes. giftedness. Mm-hmm. So like that's something that's huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, partially because I didn't really know it before, you know, I didn't really fully understand it. Um, and so coming to see how it is that the Lord wanted to use me, um, and how it is that like the Lord wanted to like bring others to himself, you know, um, I think that that's kind of one of the biggest things. And like, I'd say that and just the importance of real, like, an authentic, like, community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So wow. I'd say that's that's so exciting. So yeah. do you say one of your gifts is to help other people realize their own gifts? That's, yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that I've realized over the last couple of years mm-hmm. um, is that, like, it's one thing that I've realized through life is that most people can't see their own gifts. Mm. Most of the time, people can't fully see that. Mm. Um, and so the way that, I mean, for me, like affirmation is just a huge thing, but I never want to affirm just to affirm. Like I want to affirm prop off of like what I'm actually seeing and like whether it's like an affirmation of like their gifts or affirmation of something that they've done. But if I'm giving them aff- affirmation off of something that they've done, I want to kind of see what's behind it and why it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because like in order for it to actually mean something, that's like okay. there has to actually be something behind it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so that is that is very much a thing for me um, mm-hmm. is that like I think whether or not I'm great at it, I think that like it's something that is just a high priority for me mm-hmm. is helping people to see their gifts and helping them to develop them. Um, yeah. and sometimes recognizing that I might not be the best person to help them develop mm-hmm. them. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd say that's a huge, huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge thing for me. So I feel like that's yeah. an important thing for people to hear because I think you mentioned it before. Like it's not a pride thing mm-hmm. to focus on your gifts. Like they are, we have to, I guess, sort them out or mm-hmm. else we're not going to be able to use them mm-hmm. as the Lord hopes that yeah. we will use them. They're an outline to our vocation too. They are. Yeah. I mean, Yes, in a certain sense, we're called to stretch ourselves and to sacrifice. And I mm-hmm. think, if anything, we can sometimes over overhype that. Mm-hmm. There is supposed to be a peace associated and a joy associated Definitely. with your vocation. Mm-hmm. And it is for your and your neighbor's greater good. Mm-hmm. It, it's not supposed to um, beat you down that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, I heard one time, like I was uh, having a conversation with someone actually that, the guy who um like asked me about the come and see like when we were at that come and see mm-hmm. like who asked me like how are you feeling about it and um you know within and i think maybe this is part of the reason why like he um ended up not really i mean he ended up um leaving and i you know um i think that ultimately like the discernment there was good um was because like you would ask him like what like if there was like a guiding line for his discernment was like the Lord telling them the sacrifice will be worth it. And like, that sounds really beautiful. And that's a good thing in a lot of ways. Like, yes, the sacrifice is worth it. But if that is the guiding line to Mm -hmm. your discernment, it's in a sense, like it all has to be sacrifice where like, there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of goodness. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, the sacrifice is worth it. But like, if it's just sacrifice, then you really should check 
like what's going on here you know sacrifice that god wants you to be making exactly exactly you said you found a lot of your goodness Mm -hmm. like that's so exciting and so beautiful Mm -hmm. to know that in our in our discerning and then saying yes and receiving our vocation we receive tenfold Mm -hmm. even and how much goodness we found of ourselves how much Mm -hmm. knowledge of self we have Mm -hmm. that's really exciting yeah i wanted to ask you what is I don't know, this might be a cliche question, but what is your favorite thing about being a priest? Um, see, there's so th- there's a difference in between what's, a, you know, what's my favorite thing about being a priest and what's my favorite thing about, like, the ministry that I do, right? Because mm-hmm. with the ministry that I do, I think, like, we just talked about some of that, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, being a priest, um, I think, I mean, this like, hearing a confession... And he and seeing somebody come in just really kind of overburdened, and seeing them walk out like just lighter. lighter. Mm. Um, and that's not every confession, you mm. know. But like there are times that like somebody walks in and like as soon as they walk in, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just very clear yeah. that something's going on. And for me, like with confessions, it's yes, you know, the absolution of a sin, like that's the that's the goal of the sacrament. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think, and this maybe goes back to some of what we've already talked about, but, like, mm-hmm. I want them to leave with hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, yeah, I want them to leave with hope. And so um, so I think in a sense, like, confession maybe is an extension of what we've already talked about, mm-hmm. of just yeah. helping helping people to see their goodness, you know, and yes. just recognize that even though... Yes. They've like committed certain sins, or even though they're caught up in certain sins, um, at the same time, you know, one like there's a lot of things that go on internally mm-hmm. that if we're not paying attention to them and if we're just looking at it from a face value perspective, it just you know it can lead us to believe that we're horrible people, mm-hmm. but then we actually recognize okay like there's a lot of things that are going on right now, and the Lord is you know. It's part of the reason why the TRs focus on ongoing conversion because it's it is like a thing that the Lord carries out like little by little in a lot of ways and it's a lot slower than we want it to be. Mm. Um, and so yeah, so as a priest and especially with the charism that the TORs have, it it allows me the opportunity to help you know people to kind of like just settle down for a second and to see like that there's so much more that's happening and. Um, and in a sense, kind of hopefully leave, you know, with a little bit of hope, especially when they when they do kind of come in with just that, like, yeah. Sometimes you really, you can just feel it. Despair. You can just feel it, yeah. like, in the way that they're talking and the way they're speaking about their sins or the way they're speaking about themselves. Mm. Like, you just know right away that there's something deeper that's going on there that also mm. needs attention, so. Yes. Yeah. Wow, yeah. getting access to those those dark places but bringing light that is but it's such a vulnerable like it's such a vulnerable experience Mm -hmm. um and that's also why i want to treat it like with such care Mm -hmm. and that it's so sacred because like i mean okay like a lot of you guys like know me um but i mean up until this week we were strangers right and so imagine like last Mm -hmm. week you walk into the confessional we've literally never met Mm -hmm. and like there might be and i mean and this is where sometimes i'm like 
all right, maybe you need to chill out a little bit <laughs> because like somebody who doesn't know me is all of a sudden like walking in and I'm seeing something and like I've never met this person, but like I'm seeing something. Yeah. And so like I I do recognize that I need to actually sometimes be kind of like careful with it, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I'm literally asking a total stranger to like actually tell me how they're doing and to like kind of to, to bear their soul a little mm-hmm. bit. And so I really want to be, I want them to feel comfortable mm. and I want them to know like, Hey, this is, I'm here for you. And I don't want to push you past like what you're comfortable with. Um, but like, I recognize how vulnerable of a moment it is mm-hmm. and I have to, I absolutely have to. Um, yeah. Wow. yeah. That's beautiful. beautiful. You, you rarely hear the answer to that question. Um, be confession mm-hmm. but that's a really beautiful mm-hmm. take on it because yeah. you, they, these are your spiritual children mm-hmm. in a sense yeah. and you are here to care for their yeah. most vulnerable um stages mm-hmm. they come to you with very vulnerable but on a more lighthearted, like <laughs> baptisms oh so beautiful love babies so beautiful babies are hilarious <laughs> Babies are absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Do you have a funny baptism story? Um, <laughs> it's just, it's not as much like, I mean, yes, but like, it's not as much a funny baptism story as much as it is just like baptisms as a whole. Because like, there's sometimes that like, there's a baby who, you know, will be crying the entire time. That was weird. And like the parents, <laughs> well, and the parents, the parents will be like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, look, we don't schedule this baptism around yeah. your, around your baby's <laughs> sleeping schedule. Okay, this is their nap time. This is why they're going. Yeah, they might be hungry. Like, this isn't scheduled around, like, them. It's scheduled around us. So, like, of course. So, like, sometimes, but it, but the funny times, though, that happens is that, like, when a baby will literally be crying the entire time, and then the water touches their heads, and then they just, like, there's just this dazed look. And then they're, like, silent the rest of the time. And I'm like, grace of baptism. Yeah. They are slain in the wow. spirit. When it's the opposite, though, I'm like, Look, I get it. The water was cold. They're just shocked. They're just like, yeah, you know. That is um, too good. Either way, the spirit is moving in them somehow. Yeah. You know? Or like every once in a while, you know, there's a there's like a laying on of hands that uh, that we were doing uh, back in 2020, which is a part of the right, but it's an optional part of the right. Mm. Um, and so we were doing this laying on of hands, and like, <laughs> and the baby, you know, like every the baby could like the baby would tell you how long it could handle that, you know? <laughs> like, um, because sometimes, like, you'd lay the hands on the baby and start crying. I was like, all right, it's Throw time. You know, it doesn't need to be a super long one, you know? Um, and then, but there was this one that uh, I just remember I put my hands on this baby's head. Uh, and, like, or I was, like, reaching my hands towards the baby. And the baby just, like, kind of puts its head up and kind of, like, nuzzles into, like, my, you know, Aww. like, just into my, like, hands, and I'm just, like, and I just kept it there, and I could have, and I could have, like, you know, usually the baby will tell you, mm-hmm. but that sounds like, no, we need to keep going. This was the sweetest, <laughs> most precious moment ever. Um, wow. So every baptism is different, and that's what I love about them. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. The yeah. beauty is of this occasion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So fun. Oh, the vulnerability yeah. of baptism and confession. <laughs> yeah, literally. I guess I just bring up vulnerability and everything, I guess. You know? That is so good. That is so good. Yeah. 
Well, on that note, we want to thank Father Rufino for coming out here and sharing his story with us and just sharing the glories of priesthood. That is so amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for inviting me. This was a lot of fun. And honestly, um, yeah, it's always just fun to share these share these experiences and share life and stuff. So, yeah, Yeah, to recount the glories of it. too. I'm excited to see you like, you know, to hear. Off of some other friars, too, you know? <laughs> Me, we'll too. More to yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I love For it. For sure. I love it. <laughs>